Hello, Badass Nation, and welcome to the Badass in Business Show, the show where we help you with your inner game and your outer game, teaching you how to own your inner badass and sharing strategies with you to badass your business, or in other words, get badassified. I love that word. This is Annette Piper, the Badass Business Chick, and your host for the Badass in Business Show. I'm super stoked for today. We have Christine Paracas on the call today, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Christine is a business growth architect who guides small business owners to get from zero to eight figures in record time, drawing on her experience as an attorney, strategic advisor, serial entrepreneur, and C-suite executive in 10 businesses, a professional licensed boat captain, while also helping hundreds of clients on five continents to do the same. Most recently, having survived two Category 5 hurricanes in two weeks, trapped alone in a wind coffin for almost 24 hours, and surviving in the aftermath for months without electricity, running water, and telecoms, Christine has begun sharing the resilience and leadership strategies that helped her weather any storm in life and business. Her upcoming book, The Resilient Leader, is being released in 2020, and it introduces these leadership strategies, the seven barometers of resilience that can help anyone weather the Category 5 situations in their lives and business and to come through to thrive. Prior to that, she released her best-selling book, The Entrepreneur's Essential Roadmap, a small business survival guide that is an accumulation of two decades and of small business experience getting from startup to scale up. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you so much, Annette. And you've done a beautiful job giving everybody my backstory. So there's nothing I have to add. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there is because... I I would like to know more. I love I love the concept of you know using the category five uh, storm as a metaphor for also weathering the storms of life. A lot of times I use the the uh, metaphor of building a skyscraper when you're building your business and you're building your life because these metaphors are so powerful. So tell us a little bit more about your life and what motivated you to start a business? (laughs) Really, I'm unemployable. I'm a terrible employee, but I've had very few traditional job jobs where I worked for somebody else and their business because um, uh, I'm just not very good at it. I'm willing to throw my heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears into something, and why wouldn't I want to have equity in that? Because You know, I want the freedom and flexibility as well as the profitability of business ownership. So, you know, that was really the truth for me. But, you know, I'm not the kind of person who runs towards change. Maybe some of the people in your audience can um, relate to that. Um, I need to be drop kicked. So I might have to lose a job or get trapped in a wind coffin and lose my house and, you know, those kinds of things that require me, I mean, that that are required for me to make exponential change. And um, that's kind of how it happened. You know, I got in a serious car accident when I was very young and after a couple of years in a big New York law firm. And I sat on, you know, out in front of my house on the beach because I couldn't work. And I thought, 
this is what the rest of my life will be when I go back to work. And I thought, no, this isn't for me. And so it was, you know, that and then the hurricanes fast forward later and those kinds of events that really helped me turn the corner to who I am truly meant to be. And I think it's interesting that you talk about that because, um, you know, in all my years of coaching and training and in all my years of life, I do notice that sometimes it takes being trapped in those wind coffins or the life's rubble to, for us to make some kind of uh, drastic change in our life, to reach towards our dreams, to improve our health, to change our relationship status, uh, which can sometimes be scary whether you're moving towards a relationship or moving out of a relationship. And it's just interesting that sometimes it just really takes being slammed before you make those changes. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I call it golden handcuffs if it's not, you know, a miserable situation because I could have been happy making six, at that time I was young, I was making six figures and that was a substantial salary for someone my age and, you know, I would have been on a trajectory to just keep, you know, a slave to my job, a slave to the bank account and the and the check, paycheck and um, that would have been the rest of my life. And many people are quite comfortable and happy, and they like the security of that. And, you know, what we know about entrepreneurship is it's anything but secure. So we got to be willing to take a leap off that cliff. And, you know, <laughs> I was a skydiver back when I was in college, and it was a dream come true. I'd always want to jump out of a plane. And there's in the first jump, or the first few jumps, really, back then I was still on static line doing free falling, and the jump master had to, they would tap your foot or the back of your ankle to get you off the railing of the plane to jump out into the air, <laughs> you know, um, just in case you wanted to back out. And, you know, sometimes we need that little tap to push us out of the plane or over the cliff to really go for the life we want. And um, these are the kinds of things that I've noticed through my life and, I'd love it to smooth out so I just make choices that are great for me when it's easy and everything is going smoothly, but then I am who I am, you know. I've got broad shoulders exactly. and I can handle it. Exactly. And you do have to have broad shoulders as an entrepreneur, I must say. That's, yep. that's a, a must. So and an appetite a lot for of risk, you know. Exactly, exactly. And a patient, and patience. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. So you've done so much work in leadership. What are the top three strategies to becoming the leader that every entrepreneur needs to become? Well, you know, I learned this. Listen, I was the worst leader. I will admit, my last company, we were in rapid growth from start to, you know, we, we turned into an eight-figure business in four years. We made our first million in the first quarter, and we employed a team of 160 people. And if I knew then what I know now, you know, I, I was um, in such emergency mode all the time and building out from the ground up every system, every structure, you know, managing the business. And my partner was out doing his, his brilliance at BizDev. So, you know, I had no idea what I was doing and I'd never employed that many people before. So, you know, I, like I said, I wish I'd known then. And it was really this last experience where I found myself alone in a situation I never should have been in by myself. I didn't know anybody else who's done that. 
And I realized I didn't have a designated role on my island. I was perfectly happy. I sold my last company. I was living in paradise, you know, running boats now and then and enjoying every moment of my life. And I did not um, have, I I didn't know what it was going to take to get through that experience. And what I learned from that is how these things that got me through those months and that experience itself and then the months in the aftermath was the critical pieces that we can all use in every aspect of our life and business. And the fundamental um, cornerstone of that to me is self-awareness. You know, I use a lot of um, nautical metaphors because I'm a boat captain and I've been a professional sailor all my life and, well, not professional, but a sailor all my life and a professional yacht racer. And um, we have an expression on boats, keeping one hand on the boat, you know, which means you always know where you are at every moment. And that's both internally, the self-awareness of who am I, but also situationally, keeping the 30,000-foot view. So when I talk about leadership, I think of that as the most fundamental thing that we all must do. You know, it's not even optional, but to really understand who we are and how are we coming across. I mean, just if anybody is listening who happens to run a team, ask the people around you. Or if you don't, ask the people you care about, how do they see you? And I would imagine for most of us, it's different than how we see ourselves. And so connecting those dots is really important because we need to inspire people to want to get on the you know, train, get in the, you know, support the mission, work their best and reach their potential too. So how do we do that by being solidly aware of who we are and why we're here and what we're doing so we can invite others to join us in that mission? And, um, If I, you know, let me know if you have another question, but you asked me for three. So, um, you know, I think that a level of competency is really important. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I I, I should have done when I was growing my team so quickly was immediately start to read more, learn more, figure out some strategies for how to be a good leader in the very least, you know, and just being competent at what I do is really important. You know, that um, on a sailboat, when you get these, sometimes you'll have a, a skipper in the back of the boat yelling at its crew and we're people who are very well trained and we know our jobs and they don't have a level of competency so they're screaming, and, and, and all that signifies is incompetence to the crew. So you lose confidence in your leader if they don't, you know, uh, demonstrate a certain level of competence. And then, you know, that kind of begs the question of the, the number one metric to me of leadership is communication. And, you know, again, I, there I was in a, a buried alive in the wind coffin, and I had no communication plan. I didn't know, I had no way of letting anybody know I was alive. I had no plan for the people who had a stake in my survival to let them know or for to figure out how to find me if I was not in communication. And I couldn't reach my friends abroad or down the road. And that's not a common situation, but so many of us isolate these days. We may as well be on an island buried alive because we're not communicating and um we have an expression in boating, kind of keeping channel 16 open. 16 is the emergency channel. I use that as one of my barometers in my book, keeping the emergency channel open. 
you know, I, I having a communication manifesto, as I like to call it, for your team, so everybody understands, you know, how you're communicating, styles of communication, and, um, you know, again, your ability to communicate will directly relate to your abilities as a leader. Those are all very, very powerful, and, you know, the self-awareness is one of the concepts that I really like to hammer in on my business, whether I'm doing a mindset training or I'm doing a business strategy training, because so many people want to make changes in their life, but self-awareness is the, the first key to change. You can't change anything that you're not aware of, and so you've got to have that yes. self-awareness in, in all aspects of your life so that, you know, that self-awareness is like your compass. It, it helps right. to direct you where you're going. Right, and if you're and so a person who gets stressed and, you know, start yelling at people when you're stressed or, you know, we all break down, right? When things are going smoothly, we're at our best, you know, we're easy to get along with, we're lots of fun, everybody loves us, and um, it's life is easy. But when we start to amp up the stress level or the anxiety, you know, in, in my last startup, I was in constant cash flow crunch. Right? We had the, the luxurious problem of rapid growth, but a problem nonetheless. And, you know, uh, uh, every time my team came to me for an expenditure, I would get irritated with them, you know. And I didn't want them to think there was an issue with the cash, but I also wanted them to be on board with, you know, cost savings and being really efficient and economical in our decisions. And um, I did not communicate effectively to that information and how to, you know, get them on board. And so, you know, they understood the job of what I had to do and the pressure I was under, but um, not being able to communicate effectively definitely made it a harder road for me to hoe. And it took me a first round of 360 reviews, which is when your team evaluates you, <laughs> to actually see outside myself. You know, talk about self-awareness. When you let other people review your performance and tell you what they, how they see you, you will get an eye-opening experience if you're lucky. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. That, that feedback is, you know, if you're open to learning from it, it can be the most powerful thing you can experience, I think. Well, and that's, again, self-awareness, right? I could be, of course, it's, sometimes it's shocking what people will say. And, you know, you're hurt, your feelings, this and that. And you could sit there in resentment and anger, but you'll get nowhere. You know, you, you won't improve your relationships. You won't get the best out of your team. And you'll end up, you know, angry and just uh, and disappear one way or another, you know. So, yeah, we really have no choice about it but to embrace the ugly and, you know, move on and improve. And that's always possible. We can always repair human relationships. We can always, you know, be better. And that's just a never-ending quest we should all be on. Absolutely. And so, Christine, what's a critical mastery that all entrepreneurs need in starting, growing, and managing their businesses? Hmm. Well, I, again, I'm going to go back to this communication thing because I think we can go a little deeper with it. I think it's really important is that, um, you know, it sounds easy, right? We just have to talk about our, our feelings or talk about what's going on or tell the truth. You know, I should just tell my team I'm in a cash flow crunch right now, so everything's harder. But it's more than just what we say. It's how we say it. 
And, you know, the truth is if we're communicating the same way with everyone, we're missing out on 75% of the population because everyone has a different communication style. You know, I, I happen to be fond of the DISC program because it's simple and easy to master. Um, you know, there's four communication styles under that methodology. And, you know, there are very simply task-oriented people or people-oriented people, introverts and extroverts. So if you get masterful at identifying, am I talking to a task-oriented introvert or a people-oriented extrovert and the other combinations as well, then you know how to communicate with them in a way that they can hear. So if you're talking to a bottom line kind of person, like I just want to solve this problem and you're showing up with spreadsheets and methodologies and, you know, your whole process and you want to go into great detail, you're going to frustrate the heck out of that person and they're going to stop, they're going to shut you off. They're not listening anymore and you're not going to get them enrolled in your, your idea. And so it's our responsibility to recognize different styles. How do people hear you and um, how do you how are you most effective getting your message across to get the outcome you want and um, you know that's a really masterful skill so I think that's critical and you know more can be said about communication all the you know I could go on for hours and um, you know I've, I've alluded to this other one you know um, quite a bit it's mastery of the numbers right people tend to look at revenue as a great thing right oh i just made you know this number whatever that number is it could be six figures seven figures eight figures but if you're not looking under the covers of that what's your profitability what's your cash flow what's your growth percentages year over year or quarter over quarter you have to be a master of your numbers and not everybody's suited for that, right? We, um, I work with a lot of creative entrepreneurs myself, visionary, creative, successful people, and not all of them uh, have a, an affinity for understanding their business through their numbers. And I can look at spreadsheets and, you know, income statements, balance sheets, and cash flow statements and see right away how a business is doing. And it happens, you know, for a lawyer, I'm actually pretty good at numbers, which is a, a, an accident of fate. And, um, and I like numbers. You know, they're tidy. When you, you know, they're all, things all match up. They should zero out and match up. And, you know, I'll give you a quick story of a, a startup that I, or not a startup, actually, I was expanding a business that I came into after had launched to integrate it vertically into new revenue streams. And we started with a retail store first, which became multiples. And, our own product lines and all kinds of stuff. It was super fun. And I didn't know, I had never started a, a built out, you know, the books of a company. I'd never really paid attention to self-financing a startup at that point. And um, I hired somebody who was in a very expensive bookkeeper. She was making $150 an hour, which is a lot at that, in that market at that time. And um, I asked her, you know, we're self-funding this expansion. We need you to constantly reconcile our books and make sure we know our cash position, position at all times. And she was reconciling our books twice a week. And it was six months down the road before we learned that our uh, point of sale system had put through some duplicate charges when there was a glitch. And we didn't know it till the merchant called us and had deducted money from our bank account. So here she was reconciling our accounts and totally missed that. And at the same time, back then, we were an early e-commerce site um, as part of our business, and you needed to batch up your sales at that time. 
and otherwise the money never transferred into your account. And again, reconciling it twice a week, she did not ever catch that we were missing tens of thousands of dollars in revenue because she wasn't looking for it. You know, oh, well, we're within $100 here or $300 there, and you don't want to pay me my rate to go find out why. But I can tell you from experience that um, if it's a $5 mistake or a $100 mistake, it's probably five mistakes that equal that small number. And you've got to be very disciplined about understanding how to find those mistakes because you never know when you can be missing out on revenue. And um, needless to say, it was a hard lesson to learn, and she was fired. <laughs> so, Yeah, I, I would say. And, you know, it's, it's amazing how, like you said, uh, just a small $5, $100 mistake can be more than just one mistake. It can be uh, multiple, and then over time they'll start to add up before things are out of control. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of times businesses get crazy and things don't work out. What's the number one cause of business breakups among founders mm -hmm. and key players? Well, you know, having been involved in those situations, I've had to negotiate my way out of a business, and I've, you know, watched businesses that I've put together fall apart. So it's very common, you know, um, like a marriage, right? I mean, the divorce rate is high in, in life. I, I don't know what the divorce rate is in business, but I imagine it's not uh, very far off from that. And, you know, in the beginning, everything is great. You know, we have a great idea and everybody's excited and we're high on the enthusiasm and let's go for it and everything's going to be equal and we're all just going to have a great time. And we don't spend the time really getting deep about why are we here? Who are we? What are our core values, our core purpose, our, you know, a real common visionary framework that we create together as founders? that will dictate what we're here to do, how the business goes forward, how we make decisions, all of it. You know, I had a, a partner say to me early on, um, I want this business to be my personal checkbook. Well, I'm thinking I want to build a legacy and I want to create something that's lasting and that has, you know, longevity to it and, and builds. And those are two people extremely at odds, you know, um, I've had partners who they'll just, you know, they see something, they want to go for it, and they're not thinking methodically about it. And I'm looking at the strategic big picture thinking, how are we going to fund that? That seems a, a little outside of our reach, and I've got to be able to keep the doors open, you know. So those are the tough times that happen as it unfolds. But we can do a lot to shore up against those issues just by having some of those deep dive conversations. You know, it's the way that I execute in my Cat 5 leadership um, programs is, you know, doing a true, building a true visionary framework that involves developing a core ideology that everybody signs onto and is excited about. You know, that's how we avoid um, finding out about people later. You know, business is a marriage and it's sometimes harder to get out of a business or, you know, to clear a business, you know, to, to separate in a business than it is in a marriage. And so um, it's really important to go in eyes open and understand who you're partnering with. Exactly. And one of my mentors used to always say, you got to plan the divorce before the marriage. <laughs> so uh, in business. 
And so when you right. are going into those partnerships, you, you've got to know what your exit strategy is. You've got to have those contingency plans in place. You know, if things don't work out, how are we going to split? You know, because it, right. it could happen. Someone could uh, get seriously injured or seriously ill and be unable to participate in the business. So how do you exit them out? So you've got to have some of these contingency plans in place while you're doing the planning and building the business because, like you said, you go gung-ho in the business without having that, that core foundation built. Then when things do go awry, uh, everything goes to hell in handbasket. <laughs> well, and imagine suddenly you're in partnership with, yep, no, I mean, imagine suddenly you're in partnership with someone's spouse, you know, that you never really got along with. Those are the kinds of things that happen <laughs> in a business with succession. And so, yeah, this is really, really important. And, you know, um, a lot of people, when they're excited, they tend to overlook the formalities, right? They'll say, you know, oh, well, we, we got a handshake on that, you know, or I really trust them and I'm not worried. And I, as a lawyer, you know, believe me, I've hired plenty of lawyers in my day and I know how obstructive lawyers can be just trying to do a great job for their client. You know, they'll write a 50-page document and negotiate every little minute detail and not realizing that it, that's not how you get business done. You know, so I was always the kind of lawyer as I'm practicing to make sure that we get business done. And so what I would say to my clients is, you know, we write contracts to honor the relationship and to honor each other, not to worry about how they're not trustworthy, but to cover these things in a way that's honoring. Oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, you know, because, of course, I do a lot of contracts in my business. And, you know, I love that thought of it's about honoring the relationship. Yeah, and it should be that way, right? We should care enough about each other not to want things to be difficult if we're not destined to be together forever. Exactly, exactly. So what's the biggest piece of advice you would give to other entrepreneurs <laughs> that are trying to scale their business? Well, I tell you, it's the, the number one overriding lesson in my book, The Resilient Leader, and my, you know, biggest takeaway from that experience, which is don't go it alone. You know, we uh, tend to be lone rangers, especially as creative entrepreneurial types. And a lot of people are out there, you know, in business by themselves. We have a loneliness epidemic in this country. 40% of our population has no one to talk to. Millennials, 25% of them don't have a friend. And we're in the social media era, right, with thousands of followers and, you know, social friends and uh, connections, I should say. And the fact is, you know, if you're buried alive in a storm, who's going to come for you? If you need to have the hard conversation or have somebody have a true perspective to share with you from the outside, who's going to be that person? We, none of us can see our own eyebrows or smell our own breath. You know, we can't see ourselves playing and uh, understand what mistakes we're making. So from the inside out, it's virtually impossible to excel without an outside perspective. And so, you know, my view of it is one way or another, find an accountability partner, a mentor, a coach, somebody that you trust that can give you that perspective. 
You know, that's why I became, you know, the person that I am today and how I advise companies at the strategic level because when I sat in my C-suite chair and I was had all the pressure and burdens on my shoulders and I thought, you know, with my education and my training and the business I'm running and the constant pressure, I looked around. I never felt like there was somebody who really understood the path I was on. And the truth is I probably didn't look very hard and I thought, you know, I can go it alone. I'm tough. I'm a warrior, you know, but that's not the answer. And so I committed after selling that business that I was going to be the person that I did not have for myself when I was in that position. Beautiful. I love it. And I, you know, I don't think any entrepreneur should ever go it alone. You can't see, like you said, uh, from the inside out of your business. Sometimes you need to have someone from the outside looking in that has a different perspective and can guide you through things. And that's one of the reasons I love doing what I do, advising people, coaching them, uh, being able to see that bird's eye view that they can't see from the inside out and be able to guide them to better strategies and solutions to get to where they want to go. So that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. everybody wants to be a badass like you, Annette. <laughs> uh, right. But you know what? Even as badasses, we're, you know, I've got the warrior mindset, but I know that going alone doesn't serve me and my business. And sometimes it's the school of hard knocks that gets you to that point to make that realization. But I, I yeah. think it's worth it to invest time, energy, and money into your business to get uh, those people on your side that can guide you in business. Because, you know, your your spouse, your your best friend, your parents, your children, uh, they may not be the best resource to go to when it comes to challenges in your business, especially if they don't have uh, an entrepreneurial background and they're coming from the um, employee mindset because they don't know. They don't know. Or worse, you know, they're invested. In one way or another, they're a stakeholder in your success so they are driven by fear. You know, I've actually had to talk down some spouses in my day for, uh, you know, my clients who are wanting to go take the entrepreneurial leap and the partner is saying, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's terrible, we can't do it. It's, you know, there's no certainty, there's no guarantees and, you know, they're terrified and it's going to make for a very rough patch in the relationship if we don't attend to it. And so, you know, they're absolutely not the right people because they have a stake in the outcome. And not to say we don't consider them, right? They're very important to us, so we, we want to make sure they feel taken care of and considered. But, you know, I mean, other than the early years, like Tiger Woods had his dad, the Williams sisters had their dad, but eventually they all get their own coaches and their own team around them. And there isn't a world-class person out there at anything who didn't get there with a team in place. And so I ask everyone in this listening in this call right now, who's your team? Absolutely. So, Christine, you have a special offer, offer for our listeners today. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I, have a, um, I do a session called the Catapult to Hypergrowth, and I use a strategic clarity questionnaire that – is my my biggest joy. I do hundreds of these, and I love them because it's 12 easy questions. It's uh, available to you, and then we go through it, and it, we can literally build a roadmap around where you are headed 
through this questionnaire and our catapult to hypergrowth conversation. This is not a sales call. This is a real strategic roadmap building growth conversation. So I want to put this questionnaire into the hands of every listener here and give you that opportunity to take a look at your business and your life in a whole new way. Awesome. Thank you. It's been so great having you on the Badass and Business Show today. I'm so honored to be here, Annette. You are the biggest badass, and I just feel privileged to be on the call. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. And everyone, Christine's info and links will be in the podcast notes. Remember to share the podcast with other badass business owners and check out my e-learning site at badassbusinessacademy.com. And join the Badass Business Builders Mastermind Group on Facebook. And I'll put that link in the podcast notes as well. Go out and make it a badass day. Namaste. Yeah.